0: Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of On The Pod, my lord. Um, I'm your usual host, James Rushton, joined this time by Adam Clark and Adam Clark only. How are you doing, Adam?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. Little, bit, Still got a little bit of a cold post uh, New Year celebrations. But uh, yeah, doing doing fine. Looking forward to some winter football.
0: Sounds like you're having a better uh, winter transfer window than one Aston Villa who have so far been soundly beaten by a Neil, Neil Warnock Cardiff side. Adam, uh, any reflections on that match before we get into it?
1: Uh, I mean, it's just uh, a very disappointing loss. Uh, I watched it maybe, maybe along with many other Villa fans. who yeah. couldn't get along to the match on a on a dodgy stream from someone's phone in the way. Stand. In the stands, yeah. Um, and even from then, it didn't look like a good performance. Um, yeah, it was just. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, though there was a little bit of controversy about some of the statistics that came out afterwards. Uh, they were pretty. Pretty universally awful. Um, just looked like we didn't have any attacking plan. Obviously, very much missing uh, Jonathan Codger that day. And um, yeah, a real prompt to get moving in the winter transfer window.
0: Uh, yeah, tis a season to panic boy. Um January transfer windows are usually quite insane. Um, but we'll go back to the first transfer window, the b- big transfer window of the season, the summer transfer window. Villa were very busy, Adam. We bought Galini, Alphick, James Chester, Richie that. Mar Danak, Aaron Tishbeola, Albert Adoma, Jonathan Codger and Ross McCormack. I almost said Ronnie McCormack then, I'm not sure why, but Ross McCormack. Oh. Um, how
1: have we got on with those guys? Uh, well, let's start with the positive, shall we? Because uh, <laughs> yep. I think it's all, it's always nice. Um, I mean, so let's start with Jonathan Codger. What can you say? Uh, is it, oh God, I, I don't know how many goals it is. Is it nine, ten goals, something like that? He's doing all right. He's not doing too bad. Well, uh, my personal feeling, he's filled a big
0: hole in Aston Villa, a big hole left uh, since the uh, departure of Juan Christian Benteke. Koja can do it all, Adam.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's been doing it even when he's been played on the left wing, which has been uh, an interesting factor of his play. But yeah, he's scored (laughs) some great goals. Um, He seems to poach in around the box. He seems to have built up some good playing relationships already with some of the other players in the team. And uh, he's providing what we really needed, which is just the one regular goal scorer.
0: Yeah, um, I've just looked up the stats. It is nine goals thus far, which is uh, impressive for an Aston Villa forward, I will say. Um, I mean, championship strike rates are usually hitting the 20s. They're, uh, you know, manipulated by how many matches are in the championship. They're obviously going to be higher than the uh, Premier League strike tallies. And especially because it's such a diverse league. At the bottom, you've got teams that are clawing their way out of League One. And at the top, you've got Premiership quality teams and the caliber of the highest league in england so yeah the stats are a bit mixed up because of the uh you know we're in the championship but he's nine goals 23 games that hasn't happened at villa for a while um especially not last year when we were really struggling to find a goal at all jonathan codger has been an absolute highlight for me adam um one thing i will say about him though and one negative i can personally find is that he will always look to shoot rather than pass and that may be what leads him to score so many times but there are times when, you know, there is a striker sitting, waiting for the the, the through ball, mm. and it's a it's a goal. Yeah. Um, he's only got one assist thus far, and uh, that's a bit dodgy. But, you know, what he's done is amazing. The, what he provides to Aston Villa is incredible. He's gotten it, getting it on the end of chances and converting them into goals. That's what matters to me. Yeah. but
1: There's uh, an element of selfishness that you want in a striker. Um, exactly. There's just a few times you've seen, especially Ross McCormack, has been a little bit frustrated sometimes when he's not got a... Uh, a pass from Quadro yeah. he's been up in support uh, you'd like to see that um, relationship maybe uh, just develop a little bit more uh, especially because Quadra has been played out that left side which would yeah. that he's being asked to do a little bit of linking up as well as just being a front man um, but can't criticize him too harshly You know, he's been the standout
0: no no um, it would be a minor it's a minor fault if anything but that leads us on to one Russ McCormack who's been very mixed I'd say started off quite well and um, recently he's found it a bit hard, but I find that might link with the form of one, Jonathan Codger. As you said, Ross McCormack's waiting there, hands in the air, clear cut chance. If he doesn't get the ball, he can't score. There's been times when he's missed absolute sitters, but um, his stats might be, you know, inflated and deflated by the form of Codger. If Codger's taking the ball away and scoring, then McCormack can't. It's impossible.
1: No so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's be clear, you know, obviously
0: McCormack hasn't played. Um yeah there's been times when he hasn't been we, been in the first eleven can, and uh, even on the substitutes.
1: yeah, and um you know there's there's even been rumors that we that we were looking to sell him or that he you know he'd be out of the plans or was fighting for his place earlier in the season, which i don't think is you know the best situation for him to be in, um you know, his considering how much money we paid for him in the summer um you'd, you'd like to see him get a bit more of a central role,
0: yeah, that's a question, Adam are Steve Bruce and Aston Villa using Ross McCormack wrong?
1: Um, it feels a little bit like that. It's, it's kind of difficult to know in terms of who he's linked up with well. He links up well with Jack Grealish. Uh, you know, I think they're both technical players. They both like playing in the little pockets of space, uh, which has been good. Um, but that hasn't necessarily linked up so far with Jonathan Codger's play. Uh, and I would also mention maybe another of our uh, attacking uh, transfers in some transfer here with Albert Adoma. Adoma and Codger yeah. work well. Grealish and McCormack work well. We haven't seen those four as a quartet work well together. But I think if they if those four could click and start finding each other in spaces, then we'd have a really a uh, really deadly attacking force. Looks like their
0: chemistry might be interrupted though, due to you know the fact that the window is open. But let's move on anyway. So one, Albert Adoma, um, who has been a surprise for me. Um, Middlesbrough fans didn't seem to rate him too much, but I think he's been one of our uh, better players. Um, he has made his mistakes, but uh, Villa are scoring because of him. He's making chances and he doesn't seem to let anything get him down um, you know confidence is important in a 4 player confidence and composure make goals and Adoma seems to be doing a lot
1: yeah there's a great pleasure in getting a player into a position and him just instantly doing the things that you want to see done in that position yeah. you know he's a winger he runs he crosses and he gets in the box when he needs to and, and that's great
0: yeah exactly the championship's a perfect league for wingers it's um you know you aren't Harkened down by the lack of games in the Premier League and they've got teams have got so much time to plan for you and nitpick the little faults in your team via data analysts and teams of scouts. That does happen in the Championship, but it's a more physical league I've found so far from watching it in person and on the TV. And the Dome is really thriving in that, I feel. He can sit out wide. He doesn't mind hugging the touchline and bringing in those deep early crosses. And it's unfortunate that Villa have actually decided to sell, Rudy just said, because this is finally the environment and we've finally got the players for a player like him to thrive luckily Kodja doesn't seem to be that bad in the air so we are making a bit of a doma. we are getting the most out of a doma. and as, as, a,
1: brief, as a brief side I'm going to say in terms of him going him coming to us from Middlesbrough, and us sending Adama Traore I'm very comfortable about how that's worked out
0: yeah um, a brief aside on Adama uh, when he started for Middlesbrough the media were going mad uh, you know this player's tearing it apart but the sad thing is that I think everyone's starting to realise what we realise that Adama at the moment seems to be a one-trick pony it's a uh, Gabby O'Banlehal without the scoring ability straight running mazy runs bursts, bursts of speed but not much is happening on his side it is a shame he's a great talent but um, I think everyone's realising what we already know
1: <laughs> yeah and what you hear always is like well maybe he came from the Youth Academy at Barcelona if the Youth Academy yeah. at Barcelona can't teach you to pass at the right moment or release the ball at the right moment Somehow I doubt Middlesbrough are gonna sort it out or whatever team he then get moves on to next.
0: Yeah, and I mean letting Albert Adoma go, it might make sense for them. Um, because you know, he's he's getting towards the he's in the peak of his career now for a winger, twenty eight to thirty, looking to, you know, move him on. He dropped down the leagues if you may. No offence, Albert, if you are some reason But you know, his abilities making Villa score goals and, you know, Codger is thriving on that. But there's a there is some there is a shame. There's a deep shame for me in our uh, summer transfer dealings, Adam, and that's what we've done to Aaron Bowler.
1: Right. Yeah. Who seemed
0: see. to be a fantastic player and who now can't get a game. Yeah. Any
1: feelings on, on that? The negative side. Um, yeah, so obviously in that central midfield, Mile Jedanak appears to have won himself a permanent starting place. Um, rightfully, I think. Yeah, he'd, been a, he'd been a consistent and solid performer. Um, But it has been one of Ashley Westwood or one of Gary Gardner, who has been getting alongside him, rather than Aaron Titipola. And it is very hard to trace exactly why Titipola has been excluded from that choice. Um, I
0: can't remember him doing anything wrong.
1: No, no. I I can remember him putting in some not sterling performances. There's been Mm. problems in that central midfield, and he has occasionally been part of them. But certainly it hasn't looked improved without him in it. And when talking about that Cardiff match, it, apparently it was really quite improved when he was in it because he was more ambitious. He started driving the play forwards. You know, he's a young guy, so he's still got some confidence to bring the ball forwards uh, to try and make something happen, which certainly Westwood, you know, appears to have totally lost. And uh, Gardner oddly appears to be a little bit, a little bit tentative nowadays as well. Yeah, um, it seems weird about it, Tish because I
0: was asked by the Reading blog. Um, the other day on Espination about uh, you know how Tishpiller was getting along, and I didn't have a, I I didn't know what to say. I mean, they know his talent, they know his potential, and uh, it seems a weird you know weird thing that he isn't getting games into Bruce, especially because you know we've our weakness in midfield. Maybe it is that we don't we need a midfielder, we need a creative player, but maybe we've already got them. You know we do have. It's not like we do not have depth in midfield. We're just deciding to play in formations that leave us kind of weak in midfield, especially. With a pivot of Jedanac and Gardner, who mm. can't do much on their own, no fault of their own, they're just players who need support because of their their various flaws. That
1: moves us on to Milijedanac. Jury's
0: mm. still out on him for me, Adam.
1: Okay, do so you... you're striking a little bit of a more negative note than I think most of the Villa base. I think most of the Villa base are ready to love him. Oh yeah, I, I do like
0: him. There are just. I spot the flaws in some of his play, and it's not his fault. That's why I do not want to like lay it on thick. It's like Gardner. I don't want to lay it on thick because their faults are the problems in the system they're playing. If they're the only two players who can play in that system, the two midfielders we're deciding to play, and when things go wrong, it's going to happen to them. It's not their fault. Um, it's like Westwood. When pressure applied for that middle, it's only him and Gardner, who've, instead of him, Gardner, Bakuna, or Tishbola. Um, Didanac, he's aging. There's reasons for Palace to let him go. He can hit a killer ball. He's a great passer. He wins the ball, but he lacks pace. And I feel like if you're playing him with Westwood and Gardner, both players who aren't exactly the most athletic, um, and they're similar roles as well. They're deep lying, looking to you know start attacks from the back. We're looking to win the ball and pass it on, recycle possession. Um, Didanac for me looks a victim of our system. I think we're playing uh, we're playing too thin for him. I do like him. I think he's an impressive player and I've certainly seen some of his qualities but again it doesn't look like we're making the most
1: of him. So this is something I've been noticing amongst fans that lots of fans are saying the midfield's just not good enough that we need other central midfielders but then some fans are saying well we're only playing two central midfielders you know in a 4 3 one I mean I'll point out playing two central midfielders in a 4 3 one is hardly uh, an uncommon tactic. Yeah. Lots of people play the double pivot in front of the central defence. Of, of course, yeah. But it does require, you know, certain players. It does require a certain mix of passing ability, uh, the ability to kind of drive the ball forwards, obviously some defensive awareness as well. And you're right, Millejivinac is limited. Um, he wins a lot of balls. Uh, I think he distributes... I wouldn't necessarily class him as a great passer. He distributes sensibly and evenly. Um I think your point about the pace is an interesting one. My only worry about Millie Yednak sometimes is it's not quite sure where he's meant to be. Um, yeah. If you've got the deepest-lying central midfielder, they can either be your defensive ball winner or they can be your distributor. Or in very rare cases, you might get a player who can be both of those. Uh, but you're very lucky if that's the case. Sometimes it's not clear whether your is that deepest-lying midfielder or whether he's the one winning the ball further up the pitch. Because if he is the one winning the ball further right the pitch, he can't really drive forwards with it. You know he's not at that stage of his career, and if he's the deepest lying midfielder, he's not necessarily the greatest distributor of the ball. So maybe he's limited in those routes. But he adds lots of defensive solidity. You know he win he does win a lot of aerial balls. You know we look more solid with him in there.
0: Yeah, I think the problem with Yednak is he's expected to do it. All he's expected to. As you said, he's expected to be the ball winning midfielder, but he's also expected to, you know, be the playmaker at the same time. He doesn't know where he is. And it, I think he's crying out for an additional midfielder. Someone like, you know, as chance would have it, Erintish Bowler, mm. who's got pace, is a perfect box to box midfielder. Well, you know, a a Fabian Dalf, God forbid should I say that. We need a box to box midfielder to, you know, support these players because Gary Gardner is a quality championship midfielder. We saw that over the past number of years where he has been on loan at good championship sides and performed relatively well. You know, Not a fan fans speak very highly of him. That's not for no reason. Um but we we seem to be um putting these players into positions where they can't really do do much. Um yet and Gardner seem to constantly, constantly get caught out. And as I've said it's it seems to be no fault of their own. It's just because teams know where to apply the pressure and that's through the middle. Because we don't have, you know, Paul Pogba and the Herrera to be a double pivot or anything like that. We don't have a world class Two midfield I and mean, we, we don't we seem to be playing a system that's a bit too much for us at the moment
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I think we have seen recently a shift towards a the 4-3-3 there's been you know another central midfielder put in there often the Andrew Bakuna to kind of shore things up a little bit which it has half worked
0: yeah I mean there's no perfect fix for it I mean if Villa start playing different formation what happens to the forwards who are doing relatively well Kodja I don't remember Cormac all those group of players who seem to be kind of finding their feet and linking up a bit better than they were before. Um, do we, you know, impact that chemistry by taking one of those wingers yeah. away or playing more narrow, right? So,
1: a have, question. Well, I have nothing against Bakuna, putting mm-hmm. Bakuna in in order to leave out one of McCormack, Adoma, Grealish, Podger feels like a waste.
0: Exactly. Um, I wouldn't want to be Steve Bruce, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But um, moving on to our defence... We brought in our our group these players now Adam because we've uh, went through the positives and negatives. We have got Galini, Alfick, Chester, and Delat. Mm-hmm. It's a mixed bunch. Um, Chester yeah. stands out above
1: all. Yeah, well, I would say let's let's pull Chester and Alfick together in contrasting contrasting tales. Yes, uh, you know of our two former Premier League captains brought down to Villa uh, to, to lead our central defence, and one of them is. Yeah, and it wasn't the one I'd
0: expecting it to be. No, Chester no. is uh, everything I want from Alfic and more. But Alfic isn't what I expected from Alfic. In fact Nathan Baker, um someone who I thought was a write off, who isn't gonna get a game at Villa is uh you know, took his place, which is a uh, you know insane to imagine that at the start of the season, but
1: that's where we are. Uh, yeah, I that's... don't I don't want to come to decisions too early, but it it feels like Bournemouth may have known something. When they sold Elphick, um you know maybe they know that he lost that bit of pace, or maybe they know that he'd lost that commanding presence he had, but it was clear just early in the season when we were playing him as part of a central pairing, yeah, he he just looked shaky, you know, he often looked like he was slow on the turn, looked like he wasn't winning balls, that like strikers were bullying him, um and yeah, there were a couple unfortunately, there were a couple of goals that were pretty much directly attributable to him. Now, to be fair, most of his appearances came under Roberto Di Matteo at a time when this side wasn't performing very well. Um, you have to say that James Chester has absolutely made that central position his own.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Um, the fingers with Alfie. Look how vulnerable he looks against strikers like you know Dexter Blackstock, Connor Washington, and Dwight Gale. Mm. Imagine if he was up against an Agüero. It'd yeah. be a, a massacre. Bournemouth. You know they've done the right thing and they've shored up their defence. Um, Alfick, uh, I expected more. I expected a lot more. I, I won't be too, you know, harsh on him because he was brought in as a dressing room leader. He was brought to sort out the toxicity that was emerging from that dressing room. It looks like he's done that. He looks like he's done his job there. The shame is that it, the qualities you expect from the pitch on the pitch don't seem to exist at all. And that might be a product of his age because every club he's been at I speak. You know, the Brighton fans and Bournemouth fans speak very highly of him. So it is a shame. You know, I don't want to see a player like Alfie be put out, you know, to pass and waste, wasted at Aston Villa, where he's just going to, you know, look a mess because people are better than him and he can't do his own job at this level. Maybe he's a League 1 player or a League 2 player now. Who knows? Maybe it's a bad run of form. But um, I did expect a lot more from Alfie and I can't put my finger on what's gone wrong. Um, he didn't look this vulnerable before. Um, it well, seems to have got worse every match.
1: You know, I just double-checked the ages. So, yeah, I mean, James is 27. Tommy Elphick is twenty nine. Twenty nine as a central defender That's a peak. That's yeah. this is your best level. You know, that's not that's not normally where you would expect noticeable a noticeable decline. You know, maybe when you start looking at thirty two to thirty three, that's that's when you'd think. Um so it's it's an odd one. I I had Tommy Elphick down, you know, in our pre season predictions as our star player of the year. You know, I thought he was gonna be our leader on, on the field, on and off the field. Um that's just not happened. But as you said, um, that Chester-Baker combination, yeah, I'm, I'm happier with our central defence than I have been for many years.
0: Winning combination, I think. But um, there's two final final parts of the summer business. Galini and De La. I feel very unfair on judging De La. He got injured very early on oh. into his Villa career. It was a, quite a horrific injury. Yeah. Um, But he didn't look like much of an improvement at right back, like... He didn't look like a great deal, but I don't think that was his role. I think he was just brought into sure of that position because the choices are Michael Richards and Alan Hutton, and adding a third choice that won't do any harm at all um so yeah, um got to see more from Richie, but chances are if we get promoted next year, I don't think he'll feature at all and un- quite unfairly yeah
1: I, I'm just going to call that one you know there's there's not enough not enough games to judge him on yeah, and then there was an injury, so not enough research yeah.
0: But yeah, um, Gallini Pierluigi Gallini is our last one, Adam, and he's. I feel like this is another player like uh, Tischiro who's done, been done quite harshly by
1: uh, Steve Bruce. Yeah, I've got to say, so over at seventy seventy five hundred, we're I think pretty much unanimously a little bit frustrated with the side with the apparent sidelining of Pierluigi Gallini. I think that's fair to say. I don't think there's anyone on the staff who wouldn't have liked to see the young Italian given a better, you know, a more of a run out
0: yeah I mean goalkeepers aren't expected to be that good when they're you know that young uh, it's, it's a very it's a position that's based on experience and mentality. You can only get better at goalkeeping fire making those mistakes and through you know enduring those hard times and where you're swamped with goals so when you know things are looking good and they're all rosy, you can be the best goalkeeper you can be to stop those goals going in gallini he's made his mistakes. <laughs> that's admittable but uh, you know, at the age he is it, I don't know why we're doing what we're doing that's how you ruin players you know not showing your faith in them surely he can win the position back but it looks like Sam Johnston who we've signed on loan from United just for the end of the season is going to be the, our number one
1: from that one and uh, yeah, I mean not sure about that he made early mistakes um and then it looked like he'd fixed it, you know. He looked like he was in a good run of form. And then he think, I think he made a few more errors and then but then Mark Bunn was brought in and I think you know, this kind of Mark Bunn being brought in and undermining our regular first team keeper, we've seen it before. It was bad before, it's bad now.
0: Yeah, um, I wouldn't be against, you know, rotating goalkeeper situationally, you know. Against Burton, Mark Bum was fantastic. Sometimes you need an older, experienced hand against those teams that are going to look to make the most of their chances like a Burton because they're not going to get very many. Actually, Villa gave them abundance of chances. But Galini, I think you have to show faith in him. Jack said, you know, our, our guy Jack Grimsey on the podcast said he can only improve. Mm. So, you know, this is the worst he's ever going to be.
1: And our frustration is definitely centered around the fact, OK, if you want an experienced keeper, bring in an experienced keeper. Don't bring in a twenty-three-year-old loney from Manchester United.
0: Yeah, there's nothing against Sam Johnson. From what I've heard, he was very impressive at Preston North End and was key to their promotion from League One. But it doesn't solve the problem that we have of an inexper- inexperienced goalkeeper. Maybe Sam Johnson is older than he seems. Maybe you know he's a, an old head on young shoulders. Uh, we've yet to see that, and you know ideally we'll see it today against Tottenham. But th- it doesn't solve the issue of Galini what I'd say about Galini as well knowing from my knowledge of Syria is that we have an asset on our hands and if you're talking about moneyball and finances and recycling talent to get the most out of it the most money and talent out of it we have got the single best available Italian goalkeeper right now we're going to drive down his value we're going to sell him to a team like Napoli Udinese for two million and he's going to be playing in the Champions League or Europa League in a few seasons That that's that's it
1: yeah, that's yeah, no. I mean the problem is if you look at things in the mobile way, partly you could say, Great, sell him now while his value is inflated as the young Italian prospect, or partly you could say hold him on hold on to him for a couple more years, play him regularly and then sell him for twenty, thirty million down the line. Just totally depends on on your assessment of where he'll end up. Um I obviously the villa coaching team have made that assessment right now. Um, but yeah, it's one I'm unhappy about and uh yeah, we'll see how it goes.
0: So summing up, uh, Villa's tran- that was summing up Villa's uh, summer transfer window. Uh, we've got a little bit more of summing up to do, Adam. We made a few predictions at the start of the season, didn't we?
1: <laughs> we did, and, um, and while we can't sum them up yet, we can certainly give a progress report. <laughs> yeah, well, you said we're finishing second. I did. How do you, f- you said we from <laughs> first.
0: Well, they're not too far apart, Adam. They're not too far apart. You have to do the same things to finish first as you do have to do to finish second. But um, our friend Ellis, who usually joins us on the podcast, said eighth, and he's looking right about now. Um, Alex Carson does the math on our blog. Thankfully, we've got someone who can you know add up a few numbers. And uh, his predictions are quite worrying, and it seems that right now, every single game for us Villa is a must-win if they are to even think about making the playoffs Um, That worries me because, you know, you can't argue with math as much as I like to,
1: you know, be blood and thunder and passion. Just uh, a bit more detail, I think it's that um, Steve Bruce has been running at what would normally be a high playoff possible automatic promotion points uh, pace. Though that may have changed slightly for the Cardiff match. Um, But obviously, considering the bad start we had, that's looking like it's only going to get us to the fringes of a playoff place. And as uh, Alex in a very good piece pointed out, our next four games are against teams who are in the bottom uh, our next three actually after Cardiff uh against teams who are in the bottom half of the championship, uh, who we should be expecting to beat. And if we've got a head start by beating all of them we'd be sitting pretty for player places. Uh, but that loss against Cardiff is throwing things into doubt.
0: Yeah, it makes it very scary. So I think Ellis is right. I don't the pessimist in me believes that we won't make the playoffs but the optimist who believes in you know the Tim Sherwood school of football <laughs> would say that Villa can go on Rampage make the playoffs but the championship's an unpredictable thing as we've known when we saw Brighton fall away from the uh, the title last year
1: yeah, um, after even you know, surging forward There's just so many teams that you've got to keep
0: Yeah exactly you
1: know, and and, So I believe we're in 12th now so we've got you know five teams to get past just to get into the playoff places um you know, and then obviously the playoff process itself is a pretty uncertain one. Um but it is the January transfer window, which is presumably the opportunity to kind of reset those reset those aims.
0: Yeah, as I said at the start, it's uh, the season for panic buying. The January transfer window is pretty much defined by it because you can assess your needs halfway through the season and spend sixty million uh pounds on not, not meeting those needs and falling short of the season. The January transfer window is now open, isn't it, Adam? So, uh, what do we expect? What do we need from Villa? What do we need well, them to uh, pursue?
1: Should we should we first start with the question, what are we aiming for? Is the aim, is January transfer window to enable us to get into the playoffs? Or is it to enable us to crush the championship next year? Um, or is it just to fix some holes in the squad? I mean, what, what do we think our budget looks like? What do we think our goals look like?
0: Well... Under Shah, I think our budget may be endless. <laughs> and especially for the championship. Um, well, saying that, we've been spending some quite uh, some quite high uh, fees on players so far. Um, Rumour is around 25 million, which I think is pretty. You know, extending with a Just Dead sale, that's 31 million. Mm. You know, for halfway through the season, 31 million injected to the team can do a lot. Oh, yeah, that's one thing we didn't talk about. Do, do we want to quickly talk about Rudy Just Dead's sale? Why not? Why not? Um, I'm disappointed with it. Really disappointed with it, Adam. Um, I understand we need to sell a striker, but we've got uh, commodities in that strike force that could go for a lot more, and are far more replaceable. than Rudy just said, you know, he's not the best player in the world, but it, um, we don't need ability. What we need is options. What we need is, you know, uh, ways to build against different teams, ways to assess what we can, our team can offer, and ways to plan for different teams. So uh, Rudy just said hasn't failed to impress thus far in the championship
1: when he's played. Yeah. In my opinion, anyway. Ridgested, you know, lots of fans are down him, lots of fans saying, you know, that he's, uh, you know, you're hearing the kind of typical stuff, worst player I've ever seen, you know, horrible control, championship. Let's point out, Ridgested scored, I think, six goals in the Premier League last season. Ridgested has scored, I think, five goals for us so far in the championship this season. Gabriel Conahor has scored one goal in the Premier League last season. And no goals for us in the championship so far this season. So why is one of those our third choice striker and one of those has just been sold?
0: Yeah, Rudy hasn't done badly this year. Considering how little he's played, you know, he's made 18 appearances, but most of those have been off the bench for 10 minutes. He's scored four goals so far. You know, that's not bad for our team. He's offered an option as well. He won us a penalty against Leeds that saved the match. That doesn't happen without Justed.
1: It's... What? Yeah.
0: I I find it hard to believe that we've kept on to Jordan Ayu and this is no offence. He offers a lot to the team, but his value is so inflated right now; it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And to let Justed go for you know what amounts to right now is pennies, six million. You know, believe it or not, is absolutely nothing for a footballer in this climate. It's weird. It, it, you know, we've got three Jordan Ayews if you want to look at it that way. We've got Kodja, McCormack and Ayu himself. Right now, who can who play in a similar position and do similar things? You know, who can drop deep, win the ball back, recycle possession, move into you know, show a bit of flair and technique whilst attacking, and crack off a long shot. Rudy just said is the, the only Rudy just said we've got, mm. which is uh, It strikes me weird that we'd allow that to happen only to replace him with an expensive, yeah,
1: average option. So, which you assume brings us to the point: Do we think that there will be a striker brought in in this January council window? Uh,
0: I'd find it really annoying if we did, to be quite honest. I mean, it seems not the perfect time to buy one, but I think that lulls you into a false sense of thinking about this. When you truly think about this, Jonathan Codger is, you know, a month from coming back to Aston Villa. What is a month? I mean... Steve Bruce has tried to get his best out of Gabby Agbonlahor, and it actually looks like it's starting to kind of click there. You know, he didn't have a bad game against Cardiff; he made a few chances, and thankfully, you know, if it weren't for their keeper, their keeper having the game of his life, he'd have had two goals at him. You now for Gabby Agbonlahor, two goals in one game is an absolute premium. Um, we need to make the most of what we've got instead of this, you know this panic buying. It's what it comes to. Just because Jonathan Codge has gone for a month doesn't mean you
1: need to buy Jordan Rhodes for 14 million. Yeah, and Steve Bruce has talked about that his, his project of reviving Gabby has been with this in mind, with the fact that he knew that uh, we would be losing, um, well, both IU and Kodja, actually, for the african Nations uh, yeah. period, which can lead to you with, with just McCormack, um, now that we sold still just stayed, and possibly Russian Hepburn Murphy, uh, that is running into its own issues. And yeah, I, I don't know, we were linked to a few strikers, so Brentford Scott Hogan came up prominently um, in discussions, though it's looking increasingly likely we might get zumped by some kind of Premier League side um, on that front.
0: What scares me is it's it's almost like a lack of forethought in all of this. I mean, I'd go for it personally. I'd go for a loan because I feel I have this problem of seemingly you know, feeling like they're obligated to play all their summer purchases, you know, they're obligated to play McCormack, uh, Kodja and Adoma, everyone at the same time. All these expensive, you know, strikers. All these expensive forwards. Buying a Jordan Rhodes or a Scott Hogan doesn't really solve that problem. I mean, now we've lost Justedbrein. We, we are open to uh, owning a new striker, but Justed wasn't going to the Cup of Nations anyway. It seems like we have just latched onto the first cup to give us an offer for someone and just took it, you know, not seeing what you know how the market would open up to us in January.
1: Yeah, the forward option, I, I do also like the idea of a loan option. Though um, so as loan options are always difficult, you know, if that player then succeeds really well, you know, while well, you actually looking to bring them in permanently, and how does that fit with the squad that you've got? Um, but I agree with you, I'd be a little bit frustrated if we'd you Stead only to then try and bring in another expensive striker option, just, you know, six months after we went out and bought two very expensive striker options, and apparently revived you know, the ones that we fought we might get rid of um, but if it's not going to be in the forward positions where do we think it will be?
0: Um, I think midfield is going to get it Adam I think midfield is uh, looking very likely to be the, first, the soonest upgrader uh, with Henry
1: Lansbury coming in from Nottingham Forest which is
0: fairly good signing I feel
1: yeah yeah absolutely it's interesting that we're we're not exactly raiding the forest midfield again since Gary Gardner was always our player but, uh, <laughs> you know we're doing it again um, but yeah, he's absolutely looking like he's uh, he's going to be our first choice. How do you feel about the move?
0: I think it's brilliant. I think um, he's valued very cheaply for what he does. You know, just since he's playing for Forest, and you know, not they're not the most fashionable team at the moment, which is uh, you know unfortunate. But Lansbury, with uh, Forest doing as poorly as they are, twentieth in the championship right now, um, he's got six goals and three assists in seventeen appearances. That's less games than Rudy just said. Yeah, that's pretty good Yeah and we
1: ne- We do need some Goal scoring midfielders um, You know That's something That we've not seen A lot of So far this season Even our more advanced Midfielders Gretchen and Doma Contributed something On that side But um, you know You're in the championship You really do need Goals coming in From quite a lot Of uh, of your team uh, From different areas And it's looking Increasingly likely Like we're gonna We're gonna get in I think You know it, I wouldn't say It's a done deal But at this point um, You know I think they're not Forest of all but accepted he's on he's on his way yeah another interesting option Adam
0: James McCarthy from Everton a bit more expensive but I think that is a brilliant brilliant move long term move as well that's okay, someone who'll like, shore up your
1: uh, say that's my personal uh, <laughs> response to that one but what <laughs> oh. well
0: I've followed James McCarthy for a long time okay I think he's a decent player. Um, He's a magician. He's an absolute wizard with the football. Is it like a Barry Bannon? You know, someone who's, you know, under creative. Someone who makes a team better. Like a Henry Lansbury, for instance, who we are buying. But we are looking to buy James McCarthy as well, which is something that's been passed around by a few papers at the moment. Um, James McCarthy, I think, you know, he adds a lot to a team. He's not a goal goal scorer. No, but um, I think that we have such an abundance in forwards that if someone can actually get the ball to them, that would actually score a few goals, a few more goals, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're seeing him as the kind of driving the team forward alongside Yedinak?
0: Yeah, exactly. Someone uh, as a filter, but I think between Lansbury and McCarthy, I'd rather take McCarthy. But Lansbury is the cheaper option. Lansbury is the most realistic option, and Lansbury looks like the option most likely to happen. Um, you know, he's he's doing it at this level right now for Forest. Um, put him in a team alongside Gardner and West, uh, not Westwood Yedinak, I think he's going to make those two players better. So, uh, regardless of what happens on that front, I think we've uh, we've won, so to speak. Um, and would that be I,
1: all that you, you think you can see in the
0: midfield? I don't know. I'd want to say buy more. But we aren't making the most of what we've got. So, it, you know, it's like your eyes are bigger than your belly, so to speak. We're looking at things that we want rather than seeing how we can make the most out of what we've got. Um, there's Conor Huberhan. who has been spoke about yeah. a lot. Yeah. But it doesn't look like we... It looks like he could step up to the Premier League, to be quite honest, from what I've seen of him.
1: Yeah, that one seems. As, to, talk on that one seems to have dropped off, I think, as the Lansbury talk has got bigger. The Kodahurahan, uh, so this would be a big sign from Barnsley, uh, where he's been doing good things at League One. I mean, League One to Premier League would be a big, big
0: leap for him. Um, same leap as Ashley, Ashley Westwood, to be fair, but let's not forget that Barnsley um, <laughs> aren't doing that badly in the Championship.
1: No, I no, and you know, um, you know, Graham has been. Yeah, sorry. When I say, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Buzzi are in the championship this season. Uh, though he's only played half a season there in the championship. Yeah, exactly.
0: But um, to go to his, you know, statistics of them: twelve assists in twenty-three games for Barnes in the championship is damn impressive.
1: Yeah, no, I I think he has been their star player quite clearly.
0: I think if Villa can, you know, build a philosophy of signing the best, not just what's on offer in the lower leagues, but the best of the lower league, you know, the best players in the lower leagues, like Conor Hiran, you know, Henry Lansbury, best the best players of teams below them. They can make a real weaponised force in the championship, rather than hoping to scrape the players that the Premier League doesn't want. You know, James Chester turned out well, but you know, we're looking at Millie Eden, we're looking at players that aren't wanted by the clubs anymore. Mm -hmm. You know Tommy Alphick for example best example of this is players who you think can do a job for you because they're not playing in the Premier League anymore that you're looking to scrape in I don't think Villa should be doing that they should be beating clubs to the punch They can beat clubs to the the punch on a Hurahan and certainly Lansbury they're very good very similar midfielders Um, in terms of defence
1: well just a quick point: what attracts Mount Hurahan is it's very clear on an upward trajectory um, you know, yeah. He's, he's, he's surging the other two, he's 25. McCarthy's 26, which is amazing. I would have put McCarthy like four years older than that. Um, but anyway, and uh, Lansbury's 26 as well. Lansbury's been doing it at championship level. There's a question about whether he'd do it at Premier League level, but he'd obviously make us better. McCarthy has done it at Premier League level. Your only question is: is he on some kind of a downward curve? Hurahan is on an upward trajectory. Just because. For that reason, I think
0: I'd prefer personally. Yeah. personally. Um, Huruhan seems to be the best option, especially because of his uh, current stats in the Championship as well. He's uh, probably, I'd, I'd certainly say, one of the more informed players in our league. Five goals, 12 assists in 23 games for Barnsley. And no offence to them, but uh, that's pretty incredible considering the opposition they're up against, such as Newcastle and Aston Villa. But defence, do we need to shore up in
1: defence immediately? Um, is Alan Huston still playing for Aston Villa? Um, yes I do believe he is in which case yes we need to upgrade immediately
0: <laughs> um. well one Carl Jenkins looking to be brought in on loan Villa are refusing to commit to a per- permanent transfer which is uh, you know attracting the I.O. of Arsenal who do want to get rid of him um, but a loan deal works best um, we are yet to see what the lack can offer Michael Richards is still somewhat serviceable as a right back and a right back only may I add and Alan Hutton uh, is Alan Hutton
1: Yeah. Um, we need to upgrade. Um, I'm not sure if necessarily I want to enter the, arse- the Arsenal lone dance again after the complete failure of the Mathieu Debussy, um thing under under Remy Gard. That was painful um, and didn't work out in the end. But yeah, we absolutely need someone down that right side. Look, Van Hutton, there's a section of the Villa fan base that loves him because he looks like he makes an effort. He does. Yeah, he makes an effort. He cares about the football. He's just not any good. He's not. He's not good. His production no. is rubbish. He doesn't produce anything in attack, and he's far too often arrives about ten minutes late to the defensive action, and then looks pained when someone else scores. Yeah. Well, you know, try and stop him. You know. He, yeah. Look. It's just. Uh, we we paid for a right back in in the summer as an upgrade. You know, Richelat unluckily got injured. We need to pay for another upgrade now.
0: Yeah, that's, that's unfortunately how it works But Alan Hutton seems to be, do the job of half players as badly as one job of a whole player um, he's somewhat of a winger who ended up as a defensive fullback but can't really do both so he just is he just exists on a plane of his own you know, reality uh, that's why I think a loan deal for Jenkinson would fulfil somewhat the weakness in our team, he isn't the best player he has his vulnerabilities, he's pretty much the same as Alan Hutton but if we can just get someone who can make an actual tackle in the right side of our defence that isn't Leandro Bacuna, who should be playing in midfield and uh, I think we've done a goal there we, have, we aren't doing badly but um, left back seems to be, there seems to be a bit of action at left back as well as Ali Sissoka looks to be moving on mm. to Olympiakos <laughs> um, not sure I'd miss him too much
1: no, no not really
0: very aggressive footballer very overly aggressive footballer who seems to make up for his mistakes in attack by uh, committing terrible tackles and the occasional mad shirt pull
1: in the box yeah, put it, put stretches of games together where he looks solid. You know, he looks physical and and defensive, but then he'll commit a stupid foul. And attacking wise, there's nothing going on. So I'm going to say this is one area where I'm I'm happy that Jordan Amavi appears to be making that place his own. You know, I'm glad that we're giving Amavi, who I think is visibly improving every match.
0: Yeah, of course, uh, Amavi looks to uh, have it going on, especially under that weird period under Di Matteo where we put him on the left wing. Hmm. But yeah, um, Adam, I think that's the uh, January transfer window summed up. It's still early days yet, so we're, you know, we're f- far away from deadline day at the moment where it all kicks off and Villa will make a few last-minute buys, I'm sure, with Tony Shah looking to get a bit of public- publicity, he likes to be in the public eye. Um, but yeah, I think that's all summed up, Adam. What do you think? Any, f- any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, let's just talk about what we think the area's the biggest priority are. For me, it's right back and central midfield, Um you know, I do want to see Aaron Chibula brought back into the, into the system to kind of compete. But we also, you know, it may turn out that we need a three man midfield. If we do need a three man central midfield, yeah, let's bring in you know, Krahane, McCarthy, Lansbury. They're all good options. Um, I'm sure any of them uh, would help us out there. I'm a bit worried that I haven't heard any talk about it right back. Um, come on, let's get rid of Hutton. Let's do it. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, thankful- thankfully
0: he's out of contract at the end of the year, Adam. So you won't be waiting long unless. Villa make a disastrous decision. And, um, <laughs>
1: and up top, I know. So I know this is probably where we may be in disagreement with a lot of you listening. But I'm I'm with you, James. I think personally, I would like to see us not panic by another striker. You know, I'd like to see us try and work with what is a very talented lineup that we have right now. Uh, I wish it wasn't Gabby necessarily. Um, and I also would hope that Hepburn, this stupid contract dispute with Hepburn Murphy, gets sorted out. Um, you know that may be another topic for another day, um, but maybe a loan, something like that, would work.
0: Yeah, uh, pissing away money. You know we're going to be victims of this transfer window if we decide to uh, do a West Ham and bid for every available striker on the market, as seen by them, and their uh, cheap bids for Defoe <laughs> and Snodgrass get rejected. But yeah, um, midfield. I, I wouldn't miss two mid- new midfielders. And, you know, I wouldn't be upset about two new midfielders. Um, even if it is a backup option, um, just to get a bit of depth in there, so Steve Bruce is comfortable with maybe fielding more bodies in the middle of the park. But Adam, do you want to uh, do a quick chat on our philosophy at the
1: moment? Because it doesn't seem like we've got a uh, got a plan. That's a tricky one. Yeah, it's, it is difficult. Um, okay, partly it's that Steve Bruce hasn't had time, um, you know, as a manager. But we don't seem to be playing with any clear clear philosophy. we seem to play a 4 one pretty much every match that, that's been pretty obvious so far um, but it's just not yeah we don't impose possession we don't seem to play on the counter we're not hugely physical as a team and often it seems to be play reasonably poorly for 45 minutes and then chuck on all the strikers and hope we can pick a goal um, which does work occasionally we seem to work against Leeds as you said via the, the medium of just dead uh, didn't work against Cardiff, where we switched to one man apparently in central field with Tschirner, and uh, you know put on all of our strikers. I think there are big questions for Bruce. Yeah, I'm not saying big questions as in you know should he go, should he stay? Of course he should stay, Of course we you know we need to make a long term project here. But I would like to see more of an identity in the side. Yeah, the words long term project
0: really appeal to me because what I see from the best clubs in the world and best managers in the world. It's long term, you know, there's no you know, change. You know, it's not Paul Lambert suddenly switching to a 5 3 2 because he's lost the last four games. You know, it's sticking and working on your ideals. You know, Pep Guardiola is where he is and who he is for a reason. Um, the great managers seem to have a philosophy that they build around and the great clubs do. If they are going to get where Tony Shaw wants them to be, I'd expect to see some development this window towards that philosophy instead of just buying to fill weaknesses. Yeah. we should be build, we should be building, um, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. it looks like we're just going to fill weaknesses. I mean, let's be clear right it. now. Bruce
1: isn't that kind of manager. he's not an ideologue, you know he doesn't have a, necessarily a vision of the best way of you know what he thinks perfect football looks like. Maybe the championship isn't necessarily the league for that either, though I would say you know I think we've seen that possession based football definitely can work and often gets you all automatic promotion. Uh, in the league but just a settled line up some clear ideas about how we score goals this is how we build up our attack this is how we defend that would be nice to see because at the moment it feels like each week we could go in and see a totally different Villa
0: yeah and that's not good for, it might be good for us watching you know the fans but I don't think it's best for the players and especially if we're looking to replace and you know shore up and fill up weaknesses every single transfer window um, we might not get anywhere very fast but Adam, I think that's enough on transfer window badness. A final note on positivity: What do you think the best winter transfer window signing Aston
1: have made is? Who do you think Fair the best course, transfer window? Is an interesting. Question. So, um, I had a quick look at the history of the transfer window, which is started two thousand two, two thousand and three. Apparently, that's when the yeah. modern transfer window system was brought in. A uh, little fact for you there on the pub quiz. Um, well, for me, there's only one winner, and I'm afraid to nick what I'm sure would have been your choice as well. It's Ashley Young. Oh, that's a good one. That's a, My one's weird. You oh, ain't not like my yeah. one. <laughs> right, I look forward to doing that one. Uh, but Ashley Young, we bought him in in 2007, in January. We bought him in from Watford um, for a big fee, to be fair. Now, January big fees normally aren't a big sign. Normally, they're a sign that you're panic-abiding. Let's point out, Ashley Young is great evidence against that. You know. Okay, I know that he may not be who we're most fond of now, um, let's not forget that for four years he was probably the single most exciting player in a claret and blue shirt. Um with the possible exception of Jimmy Milner. Love Jimmy Milner. <laughs> but he was great. I mean he was he was a fantastic player. Um you know, he always looked like he was gonna score goals, always looked like he was making assists. And it was just so fun seeing him with Gabby, seeing him with John Carew. That was uh you know, obviously very fond memories of that side and uh, he was just one of those one of those players who as soon as we signed him clicked
0: yeah um, I can't argue with that um, my initial choice which is why I said it was weird was Sean Maloney now this is co- going <laughs> to co- sound quite weird but there was a time when Sean Maloney seemed to be the best attacking threat that Villa had but for personal reasons you know, uh, homesickness, depression, whatever um, he didn't perform well at Villa as well as he should have but every time he come down, Adam, he scored a goal. And I remember being at Villa Park as a kid and seeing him score last-minute goals against Fulham. And he seemed like a wizard. Um, he seemed to be you know, one of those players who can do it all. And unfortunately, his career hasn't you know, panned out to the, you know those high prospects of when he was at Celtic scoring every, every game. But he did well at Villa. But I've changed my mind because I realised, I forgot that John Carew actually signed for Aston Villa in the winter transfer window. And John Carew um, was a very average footballer. Who seems to constantly perform above and beyond his ability for Aston Villa for whatever reason? Yeah, one of my Villa heroes, John Carew, and I—I I completely forgot he signed in January. But um, him and Ashley Young and Gabby Bonnar combined to amazing effect, and I think that leads us back to what we just answered: is a, a philosophy would be good, you know, building around key key parts of the team, building around Greeley Shonamovy, stuff like that. I'd like to, like to see a bit more of that.
1: Um, yeah, but yeah, went we'll to transfer windows. Seeing Jonathan Codra play does bring back for me memories of Big John Carew. Um, you know, very fond memories. I think I don't know. You know, they uh, they seem to play in similar ways. Big, bustly strikers. You know, unexpectedly good touch for a big man. Uh, you know, couple of long fire shots in their in their dropper. Yeah, they they were really. He was a really fun player to watch. And uh, as you said, it was it was watching him play with Young, with Milner, with Downing. Uh, that we made that team so fun.
0: Yeah. So uh, ideally, Aston Villa can be fun again if they uh, get their ideas together, find out some things, and yeah, build around uh, the players.
1: We should point out that we are we're recording this match just before the Tottenham match today, um, our FA Cup third round draw. Um, so <laughs> we're fingers crossed for that. And by the time you're listening to this, well, you know, either yay for that brilliant win commiserations on the, on the disappointing loss, or, wow, we're taking them back to Villa Park. Um, delete as appropriate.
0: OK, well, any final thoughts on them?
1: And not at all, just, um, you know, hoping that we come out of this uh, this January transfer window. Let's not panic buy. Let's just fix where we need to fix and um, hopefully drive on for those playoff spaces and, and drive on for promotion. Uh, get back to the Premier League where we belong.
0: Um, yeah for me uh, James Rushton at Jamie Rushton on Twitter and Adam Clark as usual Adam Clark is on Twitter and unfortunately um, a commiseration to Ellis at it's underscore Ellis who is lost somewhere in the space time continuum and um, we'll catch you all later for the 10th episode of On The Pod thanks for listening